0: I was reading this past week, and this will tell you um, kind of where we're going today. I was reading this past week an author who said this, "...my pastor and his wife were recently invited over to dinner at the house of a member in their congregation. When they arrived, dinner preparations were almost finished, and the member's young son was was just finishing his task of setting the table." When they sat down to eat, the young boy's mother said with surprise, "Why didn't you give the pastor a knife and fork, dear?" "I didn't think I needed to," the little boy replied. "I heard Daddy say he eats like a horse." (laughs) Some, I can identify. Uh, Some, some might say it's time for the pastor to fast, or at least to set a good example. We've been talking about, well before last Sunday, we we kind of took a a standalone Sunday for uh, serve day. But for weeks and weeks before that, we were talking about the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. I want to point you back to that passage in Matthew chapter 6. And I want to look at a a couple passages before and after the section on the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And talking about this idea of fasting. This past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. Which means that was 40 days uh, to Easter, and that's a season that's not in the Bible, um, but a very old tradition. Uh, old tradition, mostly in the Catholic Church, but many uh, many churches and denominations and practices have adopted this season called Lent. And so, I wanted to talk about Lent because we're going to kind of follow the season of Lent um, for the next few weeks leading up to Easter. And what it's all about, what it's all about, and so some of you, some of you especially if you're type A in the room, um, you're, you're going to not like this right from the beginning, but I'm going to ask you for the next six weeks or so to really stay plugged in. Because the whole theme of Lent and kind of the theme of what we're going to talk about this morning is giving up control. Giving up control. How many of you like to be in control Okay, wow. All right, that was aggressive. Okay. We like to be in control, right? We like to be in control. We like to take the wheel, right? and, and you know, and, and and all of that, right? We like to um, I, I'll tell you this, I like to drive pretty much anywhere. If if we're going if we're going someplace, um, I'm I'm I would love to drive, I'd like to be in control. Well, and not only a control thing, but I know I fit if I drive. Right? I know I fit if I drive because, anyway, okay. So we're, t- we're going to talk about this, this thing about giving up control with this season of Lent. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, I want you to see in verses 1 through 4 here, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now I want you to notice something. As Jesus is... is, is preaching this Sermon on the Mount, and he, and he gets to the Lord's Prayer, so we've talked about the Sermon on the Mount, he says here three times in these 18 verses, these first 18 verses of chapter 6, about how um, we shouldn't show off right? We shouldn't, we shouldn't show off. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. You don't do it for others, right? Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you're giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What Jesus is talking about here in these first four verses that's, a, that's very important in the Christian life is doing good to others, right? Doing good to others. As part of being a Christian, as part of being a Jesus follower, we have a responsibility to go deeper in doing good to others, I love what Jerry Falwell used to say down at Liberty University. He used to, um, he used to look at all of his, his students at convocation and he would say, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. I love that. How true is that, right? If it's Christian, it should be better, right? If I'm a Christian employee, I should be the best employee in that business, right? And so, and so part of our lives in following Jesus, is doing good to others. Now, what we have to remember is that the doing good to others isn't so that we're seen. Isn't so that we necessarily get recognized. Isn't so that we get a cookie. Right? But but out of service to God. Out of our responsibility in service to God. And then he goes, and and we're just going to Pass through this, because we just spent a lot of weeks talking about this, but he says in verse five, and when you pray, you must, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Here again, he's talking about an intimate, personal relationship with God, prayer, we just talked about that for many weeks, but he says that's supposed to be personal, right? That deeper communion, that personal communion. And here we get to the crux of what we're going to talk about today in verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father Who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, not only do we have doing good to others, but in this little section of the Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of it, we have this doing good to others, we have this intimate personal relationship with God, and then we have this thing called personal discipline. And I think when we talk about fasting, when we talk about giving up control, it takes discipline. It takes discipline. One of the guys that I'm really enjoying listening to right now and reading a lot of his stuff, um, it, it, I think um, it, his name's Jocko, um, but he, he has this saying called discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals freedom. And I love that. And I've thought about that a lot in my life because if I'm disciplined in my calendar, if I'm disciplined in my schedule, right, and you ask me, hey, can you do this? If I'm disciplined and I look, well, no, I have a thing there. Well, what's your thing? Um, A nap, right? If I'm disciplined because I need that nap, guess what? I can say that two-letter word that everyone hates. No, I can't do that. At that time. Well, what do you have planned? A meeting. With who? Uh-oh. Jesus. I mean, uh, you know, like, but, but, but this discipline equals freedom. And so I want us to talk about, over the next six weeks, as we lead up to Easter, in this season of Lent, discipline. A deeper discipline in our walk with Christ. And fasting is a real key to that. Fasting by definition is this, the willing abstinence or reduction from some or all food, drink, or both for a period of time. An absolute fast or dry fasting is normally defined as abstinence from all food and liquid for a defined period. Now, we've gotten to the place and. 2019, where fasting can look a little bit different and smell a little bit different. But if you do look it up in the dictionary, in any dictionary, I looked it up across about five or six different um, explanations, every single one of them mentioned fasting with food or beverage, which was interesting to me because the one thing I hate fasting is food. Can I get an amen? Right? Which probably means the thing I ought to fast is... Food, right? But you're not my Holy Spirit. And so... I'm taking that up with him, okay? And, and, so, and so we're, we're going to have that conversation. But in, you know, in 2019, you might fast Facebook, right? It's, it's always fun to watch, right? I'm giving up Facebook for Lent, and two days later, you see pictures of their, anyway. Um, but but, but you, know, you, you may put phone down, you may put social media down, you may say, I'm going to fast TV, I may, I'm going to fast you know, um, um, this or that, right? Um, but there's three facts to observe when it comes to fasting. Fasting always, everybody say always. Fasting always has a spiritual purpose. When we're, when we're fasting, when we're giving up control, and when we're talking about our deeper discipline in our walk with Christ, it always has a spiritual purpose. Now, if you're, if, no, okay. Number two, number two, fasting is an act that's voluntary and is not, commanded to be done fasting is voluntary and is not commanded to be done now I want you to see here and 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 when you fast do not look gloomy like the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may not be seen by others truly I say to you they have received their reward but when you fast anoint your head and wash your face and so it's not, it's not commanded, it's not, it's not commanded in Scripture that we fast, but it's an opportunity for us to go deeper with Christ in our discipline. Because as we abandon our reliance on other things, right? As we abandon our reliance on other things... The idea is that, is that, okay, if I'm not going to eat lunch, right, if I'm going to fast lunch for the next, you know, 35 days or so, you know, if I'm not going to eat lunch, then I'm going to spend that time that I would be eating or thinking about where I'm going to eat or what I'm going to do and, and, and you know, all of that stuff, right, I would spend with Jesus. I would spend with Jesus. So fasting always has a spiritual purpose. Fasting is voluntary, not commanded to be done. And number three, fasting, everybody listen to this because this is a big misconception when it comes to fasting. Fasting does not mean you are more spiritual than others. And I love that Jesus says here when you fast, keep it silent. Because because fasting isn't so that you can go to that family dinner and be the most spiritual one in the room. Hey, you're going to get a plate of food? No, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. I just need more time with Jesus. I'm fasting. That's not the point, right? You've, you've missed the, the the point, right? But when you fast right it doesn't mean you're more spiritual than others it just means it just means you're going deeper in your connection with God right you're trying to go deeper in your connection with Jesus and so fasting does not mean you're more spiritual than others fasting does not mean you're more spiritual than others so let's talk about some biblical reasons for fasting you guys okay you with me some, physical, physical, some biblical reasons for fasting. Daylight Savings Time just messes you up, man. It does. I'm telling you. It does. Some biblical reasons for fasting. Number one. and And potentially for me in our season right now, the biggest. In our culture right now, the biggest. One reason from the Bible for fasting is because of sin and the need to repent. If you look in the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 3, you can turn there if you want to. We're going we're to spend just a, a few minutes looking at this story. But we know, we know the story of Jonah. God called him to Nineveh, right? And he fled to Tarshish, right? That would be like God calling us to Lewiston and us going to Kittery. Okay? God, God's calling us to Lewiston, right, and, and, and to go preach the gospel in Lewiston because they're a lost city, right, I'll go anywhere but Lewiston, and we hit 95 south and go straight down uh, to Kittery, and, and, and so God didn't, get, God didn't like that, right, so the, the, the belly of the, the fish, great fish swallowed him up, And then we get to Jonah chapter 2 and we see Jonah's prayer of repentance. And then Jonah chapter 3, Jonah is obedient to Christ, obedient to God, goes to to Nineveh and we pick it up, right, in verse 4 of Jonah chapter 3. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What an encouraging message. Right? Right? Imagine somebody walking into your city, imagine somebody walking into your place, right, and preaching the message, 40 days, and God's taking you out. You got 40 days, right? And, and, and look at verse 5, and the people of Nineveh believed God. What? What? After hearing that message? They turned to God? Oh man, we shouldn't preach truth. Because people can't handle it. What? And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. And put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them... the least of them and i want you to see i want you to go a little bit further here the word i want you to see the result of their fast right they called for a fast and put on sackcloth they were disciplined they were coming back to god because of the sin In their lives and the need for repentance, the word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it through all of the city. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Full abstinence, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God the details of the fast here. Let everyone, everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? I love that. Throughout all the story of Jonah, I think this is single-handedly my favorite verse. The king of Nineveh calling his whole city to a fast. Not even water. Who knows? Maybe God will turn. Who knows? Maybe God will turn and relent from His fierce anger so that we may not perish. And then what happened? When God saw what they did how they turned from their evil way God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it one reason to go deeper in our discipline with Christ is because we've gotten off track we've gotten off track right so if your arm makes you stumble was the new t- cut it off right so we've gotten off track. If you can't handle yourself at the China Super Buffet, you don't go, right? And so one reason, biblical reason for fasting that we see is, is the need for repentance. Number two is because of mourning, when Saul and his sons died in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, David, uh, there, there, there was a time of mourning, there was a time of fasting. David mourned and prayed for his sick child in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16, uh, where it says, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and laid all night on the ground. We see fasting in Scripture for mourning. Number three... When seeking God's will, we see fasting in Scripture when people were seeking God's will. Ezra chapter 8 verses 21 through 23, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from Him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way since we had told the king the hand of our God is, is for good on all who seek him and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this and he listened to our entreaty. I proclaimed a fast, so we fasted and implored God for this and he listened when seeking God's will. When seeking God's will, when we are at a crossroads, when we're trying to figure out, God, what are you doing in this? What do you have next for me? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to handle this? Fasting. Number four, preparation for service or some great event, right? Jesus in the wilderness before his public ministry, Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, before this Sermon on the Mount happens, right? He fasted. Then we see it in Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, in in Peter and Barnabas and Saul, we see that before revivals, before special events, before they prayed over elders and ministers, Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, while they were worshiping there the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called. Them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so, before big events, before in preparation for things, and then number five, in times of despair, we see in Daniel chapter six that Darius fasted because Daniel was in the lion's den. So, what needs to happen? What needs to happen? We talked about what fasting is. We've looked at the Bible and seen uh, examples of fasting, seasons for fasting. But there's three factors that are needed when we look at fasting, when we look at going deeper with this discipline. Number one, a right attitude. Another way to say it, a proper spirit Right? A correct motivation centered on the Father. If you look at verse 18 in Matthew chapter 6, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your, by your Father who sees in secret. Right? We're doing it for an audience of one. I'm not doing it to seem more spiritual to my family, to seem more spiritual to, to the church or, or friends or anything like that. I'm doing it for Father. I'm doing it for Father. Father a correct foundation, sincerity, right? Not as the hypocrites do, but because I am, am, am wanting to draw closer to God and then a humility. Psalm thirty-five thirteen. but as for me when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. That's a right attitude. A proper spirit when it comes to sacrifice uh, when it comes to fasting and then number two a right heart a right heart a personal sacrifice see a heart used in scripture we talk about this all the time doing heart work right a heart used in scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person it is the part of our being where we desire we deliberate we decide It's been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity. The comprehensive term for a person as a whole. His feelings, desires, passions, thoughts, understandings, and will. The center of a person. The place to which God turns. The heart. A right heart. A personal sacrifice. See, there will always accompany with fasting some type of sacrifice. Some type of sacrifice. See, uh, we just had a big holiday in our house yesterday. Uh, Duke in North Carolina played. And, um, and, and it's, a big, it's a big deal in, in our house. I think uh, all six of us were wearing Carolina blue um, yesterday uh, for most of the day. And, um, and, 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 you know, a type of fasting for me would not be, because I'm a North Carolina fan, right? Duh. God's favorite color is Carolina blue. And so that's what we made the sky. That's what we painted the sanctuary. I mean, it's just, you know. Anyway, um, the sanctuary had nothing to do with that, actually. Um, It's gray. Anyway, um, but uh, a, a sacrifice for me would not be giving up watching all the Duke games. Because who wants to do that anyway? Who wants to watch Duke anyway? right that wouldn't be a sacrifice a sacrifice for me wouldn't be giving up vegetables that's easy right now a sacrifice would be coffee amen a sacrifice would be like like what would it look like go 35 days could we go 35 days without internet herb does herbs like yeah i'm in that's easy, right? I got, I got that one down. That's what I'm giving up for Lent, internet, right? But, 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 but when we talk about fasting, there's always accompanied with it some type of sacrifice. And again, I think that's why many times food is involved. Food is involved. But there could be other sacrifices, right? Time, pleasures, but whatever it may be, we sacrifice something to commune more deeply with the Father. And most of all, most of all, God's looking for a sacrifice of the heart. When we're fasting, God's looking for a sacrifice. Of heart, right? The entire heart. Joel two twelve says this. Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn to me even with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning, right? This isn't a this isn't a half-hearted thing, right? This isn't a casual thing. This is an intense thing. God wants our whole heart. Come to me with all your heart and with fasting, a clean heart. Matthew 5, eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A dedicated heart, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6.21, Matthew 11.29, a humble heart. Take my yoke upon you and lean on me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. A right heart, a personal sacrifice. And then number three, and we see this three times in this Matthew chapter 6 Passage verses 1 through 18, a protect a protected, a protected secrecy. A protected secrecy. And I think this is where the deeper comes in. I think this is where the deeper comes in. Because if you want to go deeper in a relationship, what do you do? You try to have deeper experiences, right? You go from casual to deeper. You go from casual to more intimate. And as we fast, right, as we sacrifice with the right heart and with the right mind, we're giving up something so that we can be more intimate, so that we can go from casual to intimacy, from casual to deeper. And this protected secrecy, I think, is a big part of that. I read this last week from a book on fasting I was reading back in 1820. The average person in England wrote only three letters a year. The average person in England wrote only three letters a year, and with good reason. Letters in those days were mailed without a cover and could be read by anyone. But William Mulready had an idea to ensure privacy the envelope. The envelope. On a visit to France, Mulready noticed that messages from an important person often were completely enclosed in a little paper case, impervious to the peering eyes of the curious. The idea of sending letters shielded from curious eyes was an instant success. The volume of letters handled by the British Postal Service soared beyond anyone's expectations. Today, there are billions of Mulready's little paper envelopes safely traveling around the world. And so what Jesus is saying here is not a notice me and my personal suffering approach, but a private sacrifice, a private portrayal of my desire to go deeper with the Father. You look in verse four, and He says, "So that your Father, so that your giving may be seen, in, so that your giving may be in secret." And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 6 in talking about prayer. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then we see it. And when you fast, do not look gloomy. For they disfigure their faces, right? Truly I say to you, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. But by your Father who is in secret. Now, there's, there's a difference, okay? There's a difference between telling somebody for accountability and telling somebody for pride. I think it's very healthy. I think it's very healthy to go to some people in the next 24 hours, or maybe you've already done this. If you saw the video that we put out on Wednesday, and I invited you to join me in this effort and join me in this season of Lent to give up something, between now and Easter for the 40 days. I don't see any problem with going to a few people in the next 24 hours or a few days and saying, hey, I'm, I'm giving this up. I'm giving this up and I just need you to pray for me. I need you to hold me accountable, right? I just, I just need you to lift me up. What's yours, right? There's nothing wrong with that accountability, right? But, but, when, but the difference is, right, hey, I just want you to know as you're eating that, I gave that up for Lent. You see the difference, right? You see the difference. And the difference is where? In the heart. The difference is in the heart. God wants a full heart, a sincere heart, and and, and a dedicated heart when it comes to discipline. And I think that's really important when we think about communion. As we walk into communion this morning... Who, who gave that ability for us to draw closer to the Father? He did. Through His Son, Jesus. And so I, I just want to ask you this morning, you, you may be sitting here and you may have heard uh, fasting today for the first time, but I want to invite you, just like I did Wednesday on the Facebook and want to invite you, would you consider now to Easter, I think it's 35, 36 days or so, sacrificing something in your life to go deeper with Father? What would that look like? What would that look like for you? And as we walk into a time of communion where we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup, as we walk into a time of communion this morning, I just want to invite you, God... Maybe you have the conversation with him. You know, God, what would you have me give up? What is it that you want me to give up? What is it that I need to sacrifice in this season? And then then follow that up, right? Because I I think there's two reasons. I think there's two reasons for you that I want for you as a summiter here this morning, right? The first reason is simple. We've already talked about it, right? I want you to go deeper in your faith. I want us to be deeper in our faith, right? We've talked about that for the whole theme of 2019. We're going to keep talking about it. We want to go deeper, right? And so I want for you, I want for me and my family, for us to go deeper. And I think fasting is an integral part of that, right? And so reason number one, right, is that I want to go deeper. I want a deeper discipline with you, Father. And then I want you to come up with a second reason. God, for the next 35 days, would you give me wisdom in this area? Would you show me, God, as I, as, I, as I fast this, as I sacrifice this, as I put this aside for the next 35 days, I need you to show me how to handle this situation. God, I need you to open this door or close this door. I need, I need your will here. I need, you to, I need you to make the sun stand still in this area. God, I need you to give me an open door to have a conversation with that person about Jesus. And for the next 35 days, right, I'm putting this aside. I'm laying this aside so that I can see God move in my deeper discipline and in this area. And what would that be for you? What would that be for you? What would that be for you? I'm going to pray for us. As I'm praying, folks are going to come down that are going to help me serve communion this morning, and we'll take communion together. God, I thank you that you're a personal God. God, I thank You that You desire us to go deeper with You. And I thank You that You give us ways to do that. And God, this one just makes sense. I know I can speak for me and my experience with people, God. When I when I look around at my life when I look around at other people's life it's just too cluttered and when I think about this idea of fasting it just makes sense take something out so that I can put more of something in and so God I want more of you and God I want more of you for these people And so I pray that you'd put on our hearts, no doubt for the last 20 or 30 minutes as we've talked about this, we've been thinking of something. We've been thinking of something that's just been nagging. No, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could put that aside. God, would you give us the boldness and the strength to just say, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for this small fraction of my life. I'm going to put that aside so that I can focus more on you. God, would you give us the strength and the discipline necessary to go deeper with you more intimate with you in our relationship